You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the answers. waiting for. All right. Hello and welcome to Else Nerds, a production of Galactic Netcast. I'm Gregor Sprague and Corey Scott and Sean are both off on assignment. Corey may join us later. But joining me today is one of the hosts of CNC, uh, sorry, what's it, CNC Movies? CNC Geekcast. CNC Geekcast. Um, It is Paul Combs. Paul, how are you doing, sir? I am great. Happy to be on the show. Yeah, no problem. Glad to have you. And real quickly, before we get into all the news and stuff, um, for all info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, you can go to elsenerds.com. And for other Galactic Network programs, you can go to gncast.com. And as a warning for you, we will both swear and spoil things. So um, you have been warned um, if you have the fragile ears and stuff. So, like I said, um, things are going to be a little bit different because, you know, Corey is not here and, and all that stuff, but we're moving on. And the first news story is one that we've already covered here on the network. I've contributed to that, but I have Paul here, and I want to hear his opinion on this. And this is the news that the BBC has announced its next doctor for Dr. Who. And for those of you guys who do not know, and I'm gonna give some backstory before this, but the uh, they, BBC debuted a teaser trailer revealing number th- uh, number 13 after the men's finals of Wimb- at Wimbledon. And they released the, that it was none other than English actress Jodie Whittaker. Now, there's some parts here that I had hit on in my uh, review uh, or my reaction to the announcements for uh, Who Knew and Review, you can find it over at gncasts.com slash TARDIS. And overall, and I'm, I'm excited to get your opinions on this, Paul, but I'm excited for this. This is one of the smartest moves out there because Jodie Whittaker, the last thing people will probably know her from is she was in the uh, series Broadchurch, in which Chris Chibnall created the show. So he's coming in, taking over a very popular franchise, and he has someone who's playing the main character of this franchise that he knows how she works. I, I see this first season be, being really good. Paul, what are your, what are your reactions to, um, to Jodie Whittaker? First off, it made me immediately more interested in Doctor Who. I love that they uh, had the balls to make the change, uh, so to speak, with the female Doctor and everything. Admittedly, I don't know much about Jodie Whittaker. I've never seen Broadchurch, and I only recognize her from one episode of Black Mirror. 
but she's yeah. she appears to be a great actress and she she has the look and i love the the announcement with the the simplicity of the video it was perfect yeah so um you you hit on the other thing that people will know her from she was in the episode of black mirror the entire history of you which i believe was the in the first season of black mirror i think it i and think was it was also, yeah, and then she was in the movie Attack the Block, um, in which in which she played against a very young, I mean, played with a very young John Boyega in this movie. And so I look at this, honestly, like, this is going to be good. I highly, much like my, like Daryl had said on Who Knew Interview, I definitely recommend watching Attack the Block. She um she played uh, for those guys who don't, don't know what Attack the Black is uh, real quick. It is a movie direct written by Joe Cornish and Edgar Wright, I believe. Um, and she plays this this girl who lives in, in an apartment complex with all these other guys that she thinks are just like young hoodlums, and then an alien invasion comes or happens and. They like this is the first movie where you see John Boyega be a badass way before he was uh, Finn on Star Wars. You know, you see him be a badass in here, and I'm like, yeah, they played this for casting of Finn. I know they did. Um, but I definitely recommend honestly watching Broadchurch because one, you're going to get a sense of the range and and how Chris Chibnall, the director or the showrunner of Doctor Who can handle a series long story arc, but you're also going to get the a, a taste of her. She plays the on there. She plays the mother of in season one. The whole uh, Broadchurch. It's a very long show in the fact that you are covering a top uh, like it's a criminal procedural drama thing covering one case a season. The first case is about the murder of this little boy. She plays his mom, the boy's mother. Um, the second season is actually the trial of the, you know, after they've caught the guy and she's playing the same character. And I haven't seen the third season, but it is on my list. And, but you'll get an idea of how he can tell these grand stories over the course of a season and you know and you pull things together um so one of the things i want to hit on because we're gonna we're the earliest we're gonna see her is in the uh in the christmas episode coming up this year and there was something that i found interesting on reddit and that is someone posted a gif from the 50th anniversary special of Tom Baker, it's his cameo where he says, uh, "You know, sometimes you just cut, you just uh, meet familiar faces again." Realizing now that it seems like it was hinting at this episode, this Christmas episode coming up, where it's going to be, um, you know, the twelfth Doctor meeting with the first Doctor. Do you think it was foreshadowing, or is it just people looking into it too much? I, th I think it's kind of people looking into it too much. 
Like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes fans just have a a tendency to like when a big announcement is made or when something's changed, they will look at every piece of media for any possible thing that could be construed as a hint. Yeah, but I mean, it's also we've seen we've seen Moffitt do this before, where he's put throwaway lines into a show, and then you realize later. Oh, that was actually a hint at programming, you know, at something that was going to happen, you know, later on. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it is a, you know, if it was actually meant to be an Easter egg. But I don't know. I'm excited. I think I want to hit on something because I, I feel like a lot of people were complaining about this for no reason. Because um, some people were complaining, like, oh, she's a girl. The doctor's never been a girl. Well, I mean, if the master can be a girl, why can't the doctor be a girl? That's my answer to that. But then you got the other side of things where people have gone, well, she's, she, yeah, she's a girl, but is she gay? Or is she, you know, why is she white? And I'm like, she's a good fucking actress. Back the back the fuck up here folks i mean let's look at this for what it is you i don't for me i don't care that she's that the doctor is now a girl i care that jodie whittaker is a great actress and and also you are paul are my case in point with, with the point i made on the the podcast uh who knew review where she she is also a virtually unknown, because did you know did you know who Peter Capaldi was before he was the Doctor? I, I did not. I actually recognized him from some previous episodes, but I really wasn't familiar mm. with his work. Yeah, he was in uh, the episode "The Fires of Pompeii." Um, previously to this, which was a David Tennant episode, which also featured uh, Karen Gillan in there. But I mean, even. So he was virtually unknown for a lot of Americans. Um, he was virtually unknown for me, even though over in London, over in England, he had more popularity, more fame because of the fact that he was in the TV show The Thick of It. Um, you know, same thing with Matt Smith. Matt Smith was virtually unknown here in America, um, but he was on a couple of TV shows over in over in the UK. Jordy Whitaker, I've named four things. People are probably going to, when they see her or hear her, be like, oh, yeah, she's that girl from Black Mirror. It's like, you saw the press release, right? You saw what that, you know, her IMDb page, right? Yeah, of course, she's that girl from Black Mirror. But, I don't know. So, how, like, where are you at right now with, with Doctor Who? Because I know Corey, who was going to be here, but, you know, had other things or whatever. Um, he sort of fell out of Doctor Who, but so where are you on the spectrum of crazed fanatic to I watch it when it's on? Sort of I'm, thing. I'm very interested in it, but the fact that it's no longer on Netflix bothers me uh, a lot. Okay, yeah. The, the BBC, the BBC, the, that BBC deal, I think, killed a lot of Doctor Who in the U.S. because that's how I always watched it. I was always behind, but as soon as it was on Netflix, I always watched it. And I did watch Peter Capaldi's first season. I really liked his work, uh, even mm -hmm. if if Clara did annoy me sometimes. 
And I, but truthfully, I'm just excited to see it go in a new direction because Moffat yeah. has been the showrunner for a while, and I'm just I'm just excited to see where it goes from here. I'm gonna I'm gonna find a way to watch it one way or the other. Um, you can watch all of the other episodes. Um, I think possibly even this past season on Amazon Prime. So if you have so the Prime subscription, that means I need to get the Prime subscription for hundred dollars a year, or you can do uh, the video one for eight ninety nine a month, I believe. But yeah, um, so the next news story is um, something that's close to my heart, mainly because the movies came out, the, or the first two movies came out when I was a kid. Um, I was ten when the first movie came out. Um, so sorry for you older people. Um, I'll go get your walker. <laughs> but that's at uh, this year's Disney's D23 conference. Uh, there was some sad news as John Lasseter, the Disney Pixar Animation Studio Chief Creative Officer, announced that he will no longer be directing the upcoming Toy Story 4. Um, he will be serving as a producer on the project, and uh, Josh Cooley will take over um, as the sole director. He was just co-director. Um, and for those of you guys who do not know who Lasseter is, he directed both Toy Story um, and Toy Story 2, and he also has done other movies since then. Um, and uh, Cooley has spent much of his career working as a storyboard artist at Pixar. Um, he has done storyboards uh, for The Incredibles and Cars, and he was also a co-writer on Inside Out and was responsible for directing and writing the animated shorts, Riley's First Date, and George and AJ. Um, about this, I mean, we're, he's not going to be directing the movie. He's going to be serving on his producer. I don't know what his involvement is going to be with Incredibles 2. So, what, what, I mean, what's your thoughts on, on this whole thing with him stepping down? Well, I want to get this out of the way first. The fact that Toy Story 4 is even happening kind of bothers me a little. Because <laughs> Toy Story yeah. 3 wrapped things up so perfectly. That ending with uh, the little girl when Andy gave his toys away, I, I cried like a little baby in the theater. I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and yeah. it, it was perfect. It was it was like the next iteration of the cycle, so to speak. So I don't, I don't mm -hmm. know what we're going to see in Toy Story 4. Is it going to be a rehash of Toy Story just with a little girl instead? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what's what it's going to be. I do know that Rashida Jones is, I think, is still writing it, or was is one of the writers for Toy Story Four. Um, because so, when when that was announced, I that was my initial thought when I saw Toy Story Four. Wait, really? But then I saw Rashida Jones is writing. I'm like, oh, okay, she's funny. She you know she does funny stuff. This should be good. Um, but with the fact. Go ahead. Well, the fact that the new director uh, did write Inside Out, though, Inside Out still had that emotional moments because the thing with Pixar movies is they're always great at balancing the emotion and the funny. So that's exactly so, yeah. so that's the most important part in any Toy Story film. So as long as that part's oh, there, yeah. uh, I'm going to enjoy the film. I know I'll be there to watch it no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I look at this. The other part that's in this news story, and it's at the end of the article. 
is the fact that um, the Pixar president, Jim Morris, had stated that the company will move away from sequels after the release of Toy Story 4 and The Incredibles 2. Um, you know, instead of choosing to, uh, to launch four new properties. I look at that like, yeah, you need to do this because, like, I get, you know, you're, you're a kid's movie company um, for a lot of aspects, but you don't, excuse me, you don't, not, excuse me, you don't have you're, you don't have as much marketing with those unless there's going to be new stuff out um, because eventually you know the kids are going to have you know five thousand Woody dolls and you know five thousand Buzz Lightyears, but they're all basically the same thing. It's just oh this one moves his hand like this, and I realize for audio listeners it could sound dirty. I'm just doing like a karate chop motion, um, or and then oh this one you know. It, he, he, the laser works, and then oh, in this version over here, the laser's green, or whatever. But with doing new properties that increase, that means you get more, you know, chances for marketing. But yeah, I mean, to where it is sad that you know this is going to happen. Um, you know that he did is I hope because I think he's I think he was going to be involved with or is involved with uh, uh, The Incredibles 2. I hope that just makes me that this is going to be awesome. That's honestly all I can say. The Incredibles right. 2 is and a movie... The Incredibles 2 is a ahead. movie we've all been waiting for for a long time, though. Because I, I... Oh, yeah. I, that's still one of Pixar's best films, in my opinion, and I'm just excited to see these characters again. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, enough time has passed where you can have you could age Jack Jack to where he's the age of Dash, and and you know we see how his powers go from there. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been excited for it too. I mean, especially with you know seeing, uh, you know, Samuel L. Jackson on as Nick Fury, and it's like, all right, cool, he's Nick Fury, we get this, but bring us Frozone. Um. And yeah, yeah, Evan is pointing out that you know Incredibles 2 starts moments after the first ends, but that doesn't mean the whole movie is gonna be picking up directly where that left off. I mean, you could easily have Yep, we're picking up right where we left off, and then somewhere something happens, you know, ten years later, five, ten years later, or something like that. Um I mean that's what they did in the first movie for for crying out loud. I mean they did the whole Back in the day of the superheroes, and then you age it, what, 20 years or so? Something like that. Yeah. All right. The last news story, oh, excuse me, is that, um, and this is one that Corey actually pointed out, so I was hoping he would be here to talk about it, because I believe last week he mentioned, I don't know if this is on air or not, but he mentioned writing fan fiction for a Azrael Scarlet Spider uh, crossover. Um, you know, from DC Comics with Azrael, who what, who took over the role of Batman, and Scarlet Spider, who was is Ben Riley over in Marvel Comics, who took over as Spider-Man. Um, and in the 90s, how they were both, you know, they both took over 
as these characters, um, as the, these main characters. And it could be by, if you look at the covers for Detective Comics number 962, um, that we get, uh, that we get Azrael back in the Batman outfit with the gauntlets and everything. Um, so are you a big Batman fan? Let's, let's start off with that. Kind of. I've read a lot of the Batman one-shots. I've read, like, The Killing Joke. I've read uh, the, the Long Halloween. Mm-hmm. I've read uh, Year One. I've read all those, but I've never been, like, a serial comic reader. I don't start at issue 47 and go going from there or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I know Corey was for a while. Um, I I am like that now. I got into comics. Um, so to give people backstory on who Azrael is, he is a, um, a um, he is he is a, a person who is trained as an assassin by the Order of Saint Dumas. Uh, this will sound familiar because this is also where we get Bane. This is where Bane rules is from this uh, this order, this island, and all that. Um, he then he was a religious assassin. He's basically like super, super duper Catholic um, with his with how he goes. But then the um, in 2011, DC did the New 52, and away he went. Um, there was a chance possibility of him coming, of him being introduced in a Batwoman book. And that was deleted as the series was moved from one universe, uh, universal iteration to another. Um, then with, uh, he later did come back in with uh, Batman Eternal. And the storyline was changed a little bit. But now we are back to old continuity, and he is back as the assassin that he was. Um, and this is actually what they're talking about is the end of a story, um, of a storyline uh, that that's written by James Tinian the Fourth, and the cover by uh, Alvizaro Martinez and Ro- Ro- uh, Fernandez with an by Rafael Rafael Albuquerque. Um, but the, I mean, honestly, for re- since I've been reading this book, I could tell you that this is a really cool thing. And even if it's just a one shot in the issue, he comes in and he's in the bat, the, the Batman costume, you know, his old Batman costume. I look at that. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Um, although I do, I do gotta say, I love the fact that you mentioned long, long Halloween because not a lot of people mentioned that one, or it was like, oh, yeah, I read Killing Joke, and I'm like, have you read any other Batman books? <laughs> uh, Batman but, but, Arkham yeah, Asylum, uh, that one shot is fantastic. I don't know if you've oh, read yeah. that. The art um, style in that gets creepy and abstract and yeah. fantastic. The other one that I like, that I've, I've heard of, and I like the ideas that they did in there, was the Injustice comic. Um, I, because that, right? That comic was better than it had any right to be. It was the tie-in oh, no, yeah. to the to the video game, and I read it because I had the app, and it was like free. Hey, try it out; it's free. And I was like, sure. Yeah. And then I got to read it. It was, 
it's a tie-in to a comic, a video game. You don't expect it to be mm -hmm. that good, but this is absolutely fantastic. And it ties into the Justice Lord storyline, which was always fantastic as well. And it's great. Oh, yeah. It's like I, I uh, one of the YouTube shows I watch, uh, Variant, they did the, I think it was like the top 10 most shocking moments of the Injustice comic book. Um, it was one of those videos that they did because Injustice 2 was coming out. Mm -hmm. And one of the moments that they talked about was Sinestro killing Kyle Rayner by having four, uh, four other members of the Sinestro Corps do projections onto his limbs and then he used he using his own you know yellow lantern ring um actually no, i don't think he had the four people there but he used his his ring took off kyle's ring with a projection by just removing his finger to where then oh he would suffocate in space oh no it doesn't and there he then draws and quarters him i'm like this is in a why haven't I been reading? Oh, because I didn't play the video game. Holy crap! Like that's something that you don't see that often in a regular comic book. No. And but yeah, it's so like hearing this, I'm like, this is one that I would probably I would recommend to other people who are like, well, I played the video game. What, what should I get? In, how should I get in comics? Like, read the comic book that's based off of the video game. And even oh. then, the video game is a ton of fun. I've I, I haven't played the new one yet. I really want to, but money. Yeah. And but the first one is so much fun. It's done by Nether oh, yeah. Netherrealm, the same studio that does the Mortal Kombat series. It has a lot of the same fighting mechanics, and it's just a fun, well built game. Oh yeah, the second one is, uh, is the same thing. Um, you know, it's made by Netherrealm, and it's one of those that. I too have been wanting to play it, but it's a combination of money and time. Um, but yeah, it's so to get back to the story a little bit. Um, I'm I'm pretty cool, pretty excited to see this. Um, and also, gosh, we should be coming up on issue one thousand of of Batman or of Detective Comics within like two years, I think. That's incredible. But yeah, so. Yeah, they, they went back. That's one of the th reasons why they went back to that numbering um, when they did DC Rebirth. Aside aside from fixing the some mistakes that they made with uh, the New 52, uh, they did it because they were, if you collect all of um, Action Comics and Detective Comics, they're like, you know, like almost at 100 ish or almost at 1,000 issues. But yeah, so that is going to do it for the first segment. And um, before we go on to the else views, I should share a thing about you guys, um, about how you guys can help us out. And you guys can help us out by going to uh, gncast.com slash support. But, and you're going to find one of two things there. You're going to find our Amazon affiliate link, which if you shop on Amazon frequently, I encourage you to use that because you are literally giving us money from Jeff Bezos. Um, and I like that idea. Anything you purchase, you know, just as long as you go through our, our link at gncast.com slash support, will come towards us. The other way you can do it is by becoming a, a partner with us um, over on our Patreon page. 
which can also be found at patreon.com slash galactic netcasts. And you're, we, we look at it this way. You're not just giving us money. You are becoming a partner. You get a say in what we do. Um, for example, one of the perks that you get at the $5 level, my dumbass talk to you about comic books that are coming out this week and give you rec- oh excuse me give you recommendation excuse me give you recommendations um and there are other shows that are being talked about or being in the works for that level as well um three dollars actually at any dollar amount you get a thank you from us you get hey, like like uh, growly bear and uh Brian Jensen have done um so now, and I think growly bear has gotten it for about a month now. Um, but yeah, so you go there, support us at any dollar level. It's collected monthly. It's collected at the beginning of the month and help us out. Help us keep making great podcasts. And we thank you. GNcast.com slash support. View. This is a portion of the show where me and Paul are going to talk about the, the various things that we have been doing or, you know, watching, reading, listening to whatever, um and uh paul do you have something you want to bring to the table something you've been watching or whatever actually i have it's my favorite television show and no i'm not talking about game of thrones uh it's a show it's a netflix original show called bojack horseman nice uh i've only i've been i'm re-watching it this week because it was just announced uh last week the when the new season would premiere season four and it is, without a doubt, one of the best animated series on television or on Netflix. Yeah. So for uh, people who don't know, what is BoJack Horseman? Well, it's a show about a washed-up actor who also happens to be a horse. It has anthropomorphic animals. It's great. So many puns. Uh, but it also focuses on depression, alcoholism, social anxiety. It's fantastic. Like, it... It gets incredibly existential at times, and it gets even hard to watch. But I love it because it shows it shows what life can be like for people that have depression and things like that. It's such an accurate representation. It's fantastic. And that Will Arnett does the voice of BoJack, and he does a fantastic job. As I, as I said, it's well animated. The stories are interesting. It's... Very funny, but it has some heartbreaking moments as well. And yeah. I'd, rec- I'd recommend it to anyone. It really shows what Netflix programming is capable of because um, Netflix has truly become my favorite television channel. Uh, all the original content. Oh, yeah. I, I just watched I just watched Okja the other day, the most recent original movie. It was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, Okja has been on my list, and we broke off. If you broke off a little bit after you said it was fantastic. Oh, sorry. Um, I think, or at, least, at least you did on my end. Yeah, well, uh, Okja was fantastic. It told a very interesting story. I really love what Netflix yeah. does because they're they take a lot more what appear to be risk than traditional terrestrial uh, television stations. And it, it really mm-hmm. shows in a lot of their original programming. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, and even the programming that they're getting from other 
from you know other countries and then you know branding them as originals either here or you know even with some of the stuff that they have exclusive rights for here that are quote unquote Amazon original or not Amazon Netflix originals um, around the world like uh, Riverdale is one of those shows where you know it aired weekly as it was airing here on the CW and I mean Netflix knows what they're doing and I think a lot of people have been freaking out with the whole um with the whole cancellation stuff like they canceled Sense8 um but then later let the or is going to let the uh, Wachowskis and uh J Michael Straczynski end it right you know end it on the way they wanted to um and so I would I would figure that they would do the same thing with Bojack Horseman you know like you know especially with the people who are writing the writing it like way to end it but and gosh you're right i keep forgetting because it is a comedy but there are such dark moments in there like and i keep forgetting that and i'm like oh yeah like this past season was pretty dark well i'm re-watching the first season and i'm up to the episode where he's talking to herb again and mm-hmm. when herb talks to him about it was never about the money what you did i will never forgive you and you go you can die knowing that it was it was dark Oh yeah, because it is watching it about up to that point. It just takes a turn. It turns from comedy to holy shit. This kind of this got real. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um. Yeah. So I mean, and they've only done what? They've done two or three seasons now. They've done three seasons. Season four premieres September eighth. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah. So check out that's on Netflix uh, across the world, I believe. Yep. Um, so my move or mine, I've and I was thinking about this today at work. I have pretty much planned out the next month, month and a half of movies that I'm going to go see. Um, because to share with you, Paul, I saw Spider-Man: Homecoming when it came out. I wanted to see Baby Driver, but ended up um, not not because my friends all wanted to go hang out someplace else. And I'm like, all right, fine. I will go with you guys. Um, but then this past week I saw the big, the big sick. And actually I saw a special version called the bigger sick. And um, so for those of you guys who do not know what this movie is, this is an Amazon studios of film. This is written by Kumail Nanjiani and Emily V Gordon, his real life wife. And this is a, about their first year of merit of in their relationship um they met at a comedy club he um you know they meet at a comedy club he you know takes her back and in here he plays uh kumail plays himself um and emily's character is played by uh uh i can't think of her first name uh kazan is her last name um Still, because I was hoping Evan would fill me in, but I can't think of what it is. Uh, Zo- yeah, Zoe Kazan, and it's such a great, funny movie. Um, that is has it's so it's so touching. It's it hits on the BoJack Horseman thing that you were talking about. Um, because it's funny at moments, but then the very next moment, so sad. Um, and this is this has a unique place because where it is based on real life events, 
I got towards like I could sense that it was the beginning of the end. Like it, we were getting towards the end, and I'm like, but they're not back together. They they how do they, how are they not back together? They get married. I know this because I watch them do stuff together, but how? <laughs> and, um, and then of course you know that it happens. I'm like, oh okay, that's how. But uh, so sorry, I jump I jump around a little bit. I, do that quite too much. Um, so uh, Kamel and Emily meet. They hang out for a little bit. They they date for about like three months or so. Um, and Kamel and Gianni uh, grew up in Pakistan. Uh, came with his parents moved over to America. And um, you know, so he, you see him, and he's very you know looking and all that stuff. Um, and also, if you don't know who Kamal Nanjiani is, he is the star, uh, one of the actors and stars of, of Silicon Valley, and he's in Portlandia. Um, and he's also one of the co-hosts of The Meltdown with Jonah and Pumel. But he, in in here, you see him from uh, out, out of his parents' shadow, because his parents have one simple rule when they came to America, and this is a part of the movie that they, t- that they say this in. That they just want him to marry a Pakistani girl, and I get that. But at the same time, I I'm like, you move him, and I it's like it's what Kamal says too. He's like, you you come to America for so I can have a better life. Yet you want me to do, you want me to marry a Pakistani girl. Well, why don't I? Why didn't we just stay in Pakistan and stuff like that? Um, the but the movie has such great heart. So many great actors in here. Um, Bo Burnham is actually really good in this, and I am not a big fan of Bo Burnham. Um, but I will say, if you do ever, you know, when it comes out on Amazon Prime or it comes out on Blu-ray, um, and they do have the uh, behind-the-scenes uh, tour part, watch that because that's why I like. I had seen that they were releasing the the bigger sick. And I stayed in the movie. And I'm watching this. I'm watching all the credits and stuff. And get done. I'm like, oh, it's the end of the movie. I get up, walk, and start to walk out. Boom! There's all this extra footage that they shot from the the Big Sick tour that they did, um, which was like a comedy tour with Aidy Bryant, Ray Romano, Kamel Nanjiani, and Judd Apatow, I believe, all performed. Um, and they showed clips and stuff from there, and then they did like Q and A, and all that, and laughing my butt off. And uh, the, the other interesting part is, um, where this is a great date movie, but it's one of those things where I don't think both parts, both partners, will laugh at the same time, because I went in there in the movie theater, and I was in there with four other people, so it's five people total in, in my movie theater. Um, myself and a Middle Eastern guy, and not being racist, but it was just you know he's Middle Eastern, so I figured you know he, that was with the fact that it's Kumail Nanjiani and being you know similar backgrounds, it's probably why he watched the movie or was excited to see the movie. And then there was three white women in there, and we were very rarely laughing at the same parts. Like like there'd be this one joke, me and him are laughing. This other joke, they're laughing. I have not seen a movie happen like that in a good long time. Um, 
Paul, have you seen the big sick? I haven't. I've, I've, I'm familiar with the name. I didn't really know much about it. And I, first off, I want to say thank you for telling me how to pronounce his name. Cause I've really had no idea. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Silicon Valley and I always see his name in the credits and I'm like, yeah, I have no idea how to pronounce that. So, but yeah, there's a lot of other movies the, I'm watching. I don't know that I'll be able to make it for the big sick in theaters, but I definitely want to watch it just cause I did watch the trailer and it did, did read a little bit about it. It sounds really interesting, especially as a person in a oh, long term, especially as a person in a long term relationship. Because it, it kind of takes the more real life aspect of the romantic comedy. Yeah. But I will say, I will say this though. Go see Baby Driver. It was it was a ton of fun. So okay, so to let you in on what I was talking about with my friends at work today, mm -hmm. um, the plan is right now. I am going this week. I am going to see Valerian, um, and this is also probably going to be talking about like, what I'm going to be talking about on the next month and a half of episodes of Else Nerds. Um, the following week, I don't think there's anything out, so I'm going to see Baby Driver then, um, or if I get extra time, I might you know do that. And then uh, Dunkirk is on my list. Uh, uh, Dark Tower. Um. God, there's a few other movies in there, but it's like I had, you know, it's like Dunkirk, Baby Driver, Valerian, Dark Tower. Uh, there's a movie coming out September 22nd. I can't think of the name of it, but all these movies, it's like all these movies, like I went all the way down and I realized I'm in November. I should probably quit because I'm already know I'm going to go see Thor Ragnarok. I don't need to plan. I'm going to see Thor Ragnarok this time, but yeah. So it's like I have like a bunch of movies that I'm planning out. I'm like this. I'm gonna see this movie. So, but. And I had wanted to see Baby Driver because I am a huge Edgar Wright fan. I, I've loved all the stuff that he's done, um, you know, Scott Pilgrim and the, the Cornetto uh, Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. Um, and I would have really loved to have seen his Ant Man. But yeah, I mean, and you're not the first person to tell me that Baby Driver is great. What was cool for me because I, I live in Atlanta. And it was set and filmed here. So it was that actually made it even more fun for me seeing all those places I drive by, all these landmarks I'm familiar with. And all, the stunt driving is incredible. So much of it's done practically. Oh, yeah. And you can tell. And it, it, yeah, it's, it's great. No, yeah. So, I mean, with gosh, with you living in Atlanta, I didn't even ask where you lived. I, I apologize. <laughs> but. With you living in Atlanta, you probably get that a lot, though, with shows that are filmed there because a lot of a lot of films I know are filmed in in uh, you know in in Atlanta or in the Georgia, you know, the state of Georgia. And then, of course, you got the big you got the big show there with the, the Walking Dead. Yeah, and then Pinewood Studios, where the more Marvel films, most of the stuff is actually here. Yeah, yeah, um, but the. Gosh, I had this with one movie. Um, I don't know if you uh, if you ever seen the movie Super Suckers. Um, I it's have not. Written by Jeff Daniels, but it stars Jeff Daniels. Um, really independent movie. Like he did it with basically no budget. And I live in a very small uh, city in uh, in Michigan. Mm -hmm. I live about twenty minutes from where Jeff Daniels actually lives. He filmed it in my city. And there are scenes where I'm like, I know this place. I know that place. 
oh gosh, I really know that place. And every time I'm in the main street, because um, Super Suckers, it's set in the 50s. And um, it's about like door-to-door vacuum salesman. And this vacuum has this attachment that has other uses um, using the wink, wink, nudge, nudge there. And there's a scene at the end where a guy gets the hose attachment stuck to his um, gentleman's area. And he is running (laughs) butt naked down the main street of downtown Jackson, where I am from. So every time I see I'm at the spot, I'm like, there was a dude who ran butt naked down here like five years, or actually, gosh, what, 10, 12 years ago. Because it was filmed in... (laughs) 2004, I believe, 2004, 2005. But no, really funny movie, really underrated. Um, Like, the other cool part was the premiere was actually at the movie theater that I go to um, fairly regularly. Like, the big premiere was here, and I'm like, this is awesome. Were you able to make it to the premiere? I wasn't. I, I, gosh, at that time, I was in high school, and so I watched it on DVD later. Um, when I worked, actually, coincidentally enough, across the street from my grandma at a party store, and they had the uh, the movies that you can rent, and I'm like, you know, I had heard about this movie. I'm going to rent this movie, and I watched it. I'm like, that was really funny, uh, but I didn't know anything about the film. I just knew they filmed it in, in my city. They filmed it in Jackson, but I didn't know, like, I, I didn't know then. I only knew after. Like, people were like, oh, did you hear about that movie that Jeff Daniels filmed? I'm like, Oh, that's cool. I really wish I would have known that. But yeah, and they filmed other, like, Michigan had a while where they were filming other movies here. Like, in, so, like, because uh, we got the state prison here, too. That's the other thing we're known for. And so there was a Hillary Swank movie that I don't know what happened to, but they filmed a lot of it here at that prison and stuff. But yeah, it's it's fun when you live in a state that does films. Um, actually, like, yeah, like uh, Dark Knight. I just think about that Dark Knight, uh, or not Dark Knight, uh, Batman vs. Superman um, filmed in Detroit. So, you know, it's like seeing that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know this place. Um, Let's go. Cool. Yeah. So, um, I think I'm going to wrap things up here because we've been talking for a little bit, and Corey's not on here to keep us going for longer. So, uh, but real quick, before we go, Paul, tell people where they can find you. Uh, well, as I said earlier, I'm half of the CNC Geekcast. Uh, we're available at cncgeekcast.podbean.com. We're available at facebook.com slash cncgeekcast and twitter.com slash cncgeekcast. Awesome. And um, before we go, I'm going to make things short and sweet here. Um, every, everything is going to be in our show notes for you know where you can uh, send us mail. Uh, but basically, mail at elsnerds.com is where you can send us the mail to you know tell us anything you want really um you know give us your opinions on the 13th doctor and the other places you know the uh on twitter we're at else nerds um and the network is at galactic netcast um you could find Corey at don't ask comics and don't ask comics.com um sean is at s burns pa beatmaster who is normally here but is still on vacation that lucky bum um or actually no, he's in spain so it's technically holiday um, he is at Beatmaster80. Evan is at Mr. Underscore Fusion. And you can find me on Twitter and a lot of the social networks at that Gregor. 
And until next time, this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. For more on this Galactic Network podcast, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.